So he would come home, and I, I was one of those kids that was like the chihuahua that had endless energy, and, and I just wanted to play all the time, and now I have one just like that named Josiah. He just, I can't wear the kid out. And, and so he'd come home, and I'd like, Dad, throw the football with me. Dad, throw the baseball with me. And one day, um, he tells this story. He's like, one day I came up to him. I was like, Dad, you want to throw the football? And he's like, son, I can't. I, I, I'm so tired. I've been working all day. And he says that I just slumped my shoulders like, mm, you know. <laughs> How many kids have ever, you have kids that have done that, just slumped the shoulders. And I walked away, and God spoke to him and says, it doesn't matter if you win this whole city to the Lord, if you lose that little boy. So, I mean, uh, that's the kind of, I'm, I'm blessed. That's the kind of dad I had. Awesome dad. Um, and everyone in this room, you think, man, I haven't been a, a good mom or a good dad to this point. Today is a new day. All right? Start over. Be who you want to be today. Start over. Start now. Every one of us has the ability inside of us to be great fathers and great mothers. You know that? I don't think you believe me. <laughs> you have the ability to be patient with your kids. Yeah? So we're really interested in our families being healthy and whole. It's a big deal. Because, I mean, this isn't what it's about. I mean, how many like coming to church? Come on, you're supposed to make me feel better. <laughs> I love coming to church. It's fun because this, you know, this is our family of God. We're a family. But this is not it. This is actually supposed to be weird. I, I love how Kyle talks about, like, this is the most strange kind of worship we have. There's a band, and there's people telling us what to say and what to sing. And there's musicians and a sound system, and there's lights. and there's, This is strange worship. On Sunday, this is just a celebration. What we do through the week is real worship. What we do in the home is real living for the Lord. So we, we want you to know, we want to have revival in our community. We want to have transformation and breakthrough. We want to see the whole city come to Jesus. All 360 or 70,000 people in Arlington. How awesome would that be if every one of them knew Jesus? Yeah. That's going to happen. But if we don't ha figure out how to do it at home and, and, and empower the parents to be the priests of the home and empower the kids to go further than we go, then it's all worth nothing. Amen? Ah, you guys are good. Well, Lord, we thank you so much for today. I love how Hank started the service. Just thank you. That's a perfect way. That's a perfect way to, to just live. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, I agree. It just opens our heart when we say thank you. And it comes from a place of, of submission and humility. and So we say thank you for, for being here. Thank you for what you've already done through this time. And, and we don't take any of it for granted. And we don't overlook all the things you do. Like everything you do is awesome. So thank you. And we just ask you to do more of it through the rest of this time. I ask you to speak to our hearts and reveal the Father to us. Holy Spirit, come and reveal the Father to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you will, open to Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4. It's right there at the end of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 4, and we're going to read verse 5 and 6. And then later on, if you want to, you can put a finger in Galatians chapter 4. We're going to read a couple of scriptures from there as well. Um, I wasn't trying to, to rush my wife and stuff, doing the announcements and stuff. 
but I have a lot of things that I want to share today, and I probably won't get to all of them. But what I'm going to talk to, talk to you about today is so important that we get. It, um, it's so important that we begin to see God as, as the Father that He is. Hello? You guys still looking for Malachi? <laughs> go, go, go to Matthew and turn left. <laughs> go back. Just from Matthew and Malachi should be right there. Not too far. Right in there. I know it's one of the little bitty books. Yeah. I'm, I'm cheating. I have a phone here that just takes me right to it. So, anyway. Yeah. Let me turn the lights up just a little. Malachi chapter 4 verse 5 is where I'm going to read. And this is a, a prophecy. And he says, Behold, I'm going to send to you the prophet Elijah before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. Now, there's a difference between days and day, right? So there will be a day that's terrible. It's judgment day. Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. And verse 6 is the focal point of today. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and curse the land. He's going to, it starts with the fathers first. He's going to take the hearts of the fathers, he's going to melt them. Dad's in the room. That spirit is in the atmosphere right now, the spirit of Elijah, the spirit of the father that's come to make us melt as dads, to become the dads that God wants us to be, to become the, the, the priest of the home, the leader of the home. And that, that is in the atmosphere right now. And he's released that spirit across the land to draw the father's hearts to, oh, I want to take my role and I want to father a generation. I want to leave a legacy. And then he says, when the father's hearts begin to turn towards their children, then he says, I will take the children's heart and I will turn their hearts back to their fathers. We live in a, in a society, it's not just an American issue. It's a worldwide epidemic that's a fatherless epidemic. It's, it's not just an American thing. It happens in countries all over the world where fathers are absent in the home. And I sure think it's awesome of moms that take care of and fulfill both roles. So before we go on any further, great job, moms that fill both roles. You got to be the disciplinarian and the, the one that hugs and kisses their boo-boos all at the same time. You're awesome. Really awesome. And... Um, if, if you're a single mom and, and you want a husband, God will send you a great husband. Yeah. Amen. Right? Yes. Woo. Anyway. <laughs> Moving right along. But God is wanting to restore a father spirit to the earth. He wants to show people who he is again. Because it, what has happened is that fatherless atmosphere, that fatherless um, void that's been on the earth has caused people not to be able to see God for who He is because He's the Father. And if the whole world has a jacked up sense of who the Father is, then they cannot see God. They will not know God the way God really is. And the Lord wants to turn that around. And um, uh, I want you to know that uh, it's, this is not about performance before God. It's not about um, checking off a list of things that you did that prove that you're righteous and you're holy. Righteousness is a positional thing. It's a relational thing. It's not a performance thing. I want to just keep repeating this so that we get it. Righteousness is the state where I'm close to the Father. 
It's where I'm in right relationship with the Father. That's righteousness. Things that we do flow out of my relationship with my Father. If I'm close to Him, then my life will begin to line up and I'll begin to do the things that He does because I'm close to Him. I can't do these things that seem righteous and seem holy and expect to be close to the Father. Those things will never make me close to the Father. Please listen to me. Righteous acts, holy things, all these, they cannot make us close to the Father. It can only happen through faith. Faith brings me into right relationship with the Father. That relationship, it produces in my life a byproduct of righteous living. But it comes from being in right relationship with Daddy. Right? A lot of us get this whole thing mixed up because we don't know how to be close to God. We don't know how to come near Him. We don't know how to just let our hearts go there. We feel like we have to earn it. We feel like we have to perform for it. We feel like we don't deserve it. We feel like we've made too many mistakes or we're beyond his, his hand of love or whatever it is. We all have our list of things that we can throw up, right? And all of that does is it, it, those are things that the enemy uses to, to make seem powerful when they're not powerful. Because we sing about it today. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Amen. Yeah, that was a good play. Nothing can separate us from his love. Not my, my frustration, not my anger, not my past, not anything that's going on. Not angels, not principalities, not present things, not the age to come. Nothing can separate me from his love. So how is it that we find ourselves oftentimes feeling not connected to the Father? Somewhere we've bought a lie. It's, it's like that dog that we've spanked so many times with the newspaper. They come into our presence with a different demeanor than they started when they were puppies. <laughs> a puppy doesn't know they just peed all over the place. I mean, a little puppy comes up to you and they're so happy, they're just peeing everywhere, right? You're like, dude, chill out, calm down. They don't care. But for some reason, as that puppy gets a little older and it pees on the floor, it's not as cute anymore. And we want to hurt and punish that puppy for doing what puppies just do, right? So then we change the whole demeanor of the puppy. You guys still with me? The Bible says unless you become converted and become like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom. Why? Because a child doesn't, doesn't care. A child doesn't know about the mess. I mean, how many times do we pick up after our kids over and over and over again? And it doesn't hurt their feelings. It, does, it doesn't make, oh, I left a mess on the table, so I'm not going to go around dad right now. They don't even care. They don't even know about that thing, right? It doesn't excuse messes in our life, but it, it doesn't keep us from coming close to the Father. And a lot of us use those excuses, and we pull, and we withdraw from him, and it's the worst thing that we can do. The thing that I'm learning, uh, this has been a, a hard thing for me to learn because I, I was raised in a very strict home. I was raised in a home where performance was important, and it still is to me. It's important for me. It's a thing that I fight. So it's, this is a lesson that I'm learning. <laughs> it's not an easy thing. But when I come to him and I start talking to him about things that I've messed up on, you know what the general response I get from him is? Son, I don't want to talk about that right now. Or, I don't even know what you're talking about. 
or we'll take care of it, but just right now be with me. These are the things that he tells me, right? Or, yes, son, that is an ugly thing, but this time I want, I want to mend our closeness again. That will take care of that thing. That's how the Lord's dealing and teaching you to walk through this thing. Um, sin is an ugly thing. The reason it's ugly is because it creates a wedge between us and the Father. He's so good. He, how many feel yourself when you withdraw from the Lord? You can feel like your heart just strays. And it's so subtle. Like you don't even notice it. It's just a little bit here. It becomes a little bit numb and a little bit numb. And then before you know it, you're way over here and the Lord's heart's right here. And it, it's like, how in the world did I feel, get so far away from Him? And He's saying the same thing. How did you get way over there? You guys okay? So much to talk about. editing in my head right now. you to read Galatians real quick with me. Galatians chapter 4. We're going to skip to the end. I know you're happy. Your stomach's happy. In Galatians chapter 4 verse 1, it says, Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from, from, from the slave. Although he's an owner of everything, he is still under the guardians and managers until the date set by the Father. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the ele- uh, elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, who was born of a woman, born under the curse of the law, in order that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Everybody here? And because you are now sons, God has sent his spirit inside of you so that you cry out, say it, Abba, Daddy, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a servant, but a son. And if you're a son, then you're an heir. And then he goes on down, he says, however, at, the, at that time when you did not know God, you were, you were slaves to those that, that, that were by nature were not God's. And then he goes on, he goes, you're, in verse 10, he says, you're observing days and months and seasons and years. He says, I fear for you that I have labored over you in vain. What does all this mean? He's saying there's a, there's a point in time when you reach maturity where there, it kicks into the access of the inheritance. All right? As long as you're a child, even though the, the inheritance belongs to you, even though it's yours, you don't have the key of maturity to access the inheritance. So the guardians and the trustees tell you what they can have and what you can do. 
And it was in that time period, it was, they had teachers that would live in their home. And they were the teachers and the pupil, pupils and the guardians. They would oversee their children. They would make sure they go to school. They would train them. They would teach them. They were responsible for what they ate. They were responsible for their health. They were the guardian of this child inside the home. Now that child stayed under the care of that guardian until it got to the, the age of maturity. When they hit the age of maturity, the guardian, the rules that the guardian had placed on them moved away and did not apply any longer. And the son or the daughter became an heir and became their own person in a place of freedom where they can make decisions based upon their inheritance. All right? He says, as long as you're a child, you remain under the care of this guardian. What he's talking about here is the guardian of the law. All right? I want you to listen to me. I want to draw a distinction here, and we're going to pray over this specific thing here. Grace can only come through fathers. Please listen to me. We're in a, in a, in a time where there are, are, there's a scripture, I was going to read it here in a little bit. He says, you have 10,000 teachers, but I wish you just had one father. We live in an age, how many of you have been a Christian for a little while? We're in an age where there are so many teachers, there's so many doctrines, so many thought processes, so many ways of doing Christianity out there, and there's teachers here and teachers here, and they teach this and they teach this. And, and what has happened is, there's 10,000 teachers, yet the fathers haven't stepped up. We have not been called to be Christians to follow teachers. We've been called to follow fathers. Now, I, I felt this is so important to talk about today for us as a church. Because what happens if you follow a teacher and they say something you don't agree with? You go find another teacher. What happens if they do something and you're like, whoa, I didn't think that they were, that was okay. You go find another teacher. But if you have a father, you can't change who your father is. And, and the grace that God wants to pour out on this nation and on this world can only come through the fathers. It will not come through teachers. Why? Because there's an agenda that comes with the teacher. And agendas, we say that, that word agenda like it's a horrible thing. We, agendas can be good. <laughs> it's not always a bad thing, right? But a teacher always has an agenda. I'm trying to take them somewhere. I'm trying to train them to think a specific pattern in a specific way, right? It's, it's, a, it's a teaching gift. So that's why the Bible says that even in the end times, people won't endure sound doctrine, and they'll gather to themselves teachers that'll say what they want to hear. Why? Because teachers can be swayed. Fathers don't change. Fathers are pillars. They're foundations. They look out for the best interest of their children. A teacher cannot look after children the way a father can look after children. As much as I trust the teachers that my children have in, in Sunday and my teachers that my son has at school, they can't train my child the way I can train my child. There's this, this ability in this modern era. I hope you please listen to me and get this. There's this, there's this temptation to be attracted to teachers and run from fathers. Are you guys understanding what? God wants to raise up 
the Father's Spirit in, every, in, in churches all over the world that will show people their destiny, that will allow, uh, uh, will cause and create the, the flow of grace into their life that God has already set aside for them. Grace can only flow through fathers, right? A father empowers the children. A guardian controls the children. A teacher controls. How many of you in math class, I was one of those people that um, uh, I, I, I could figure stuff out in my head a lot of times, and so I wouldn't want to show my work in math, right? And the teacher would be like, uh, uh-uh, you're cheating or something because uh, there's no work here. You have to show it. And they would tell you, this is exactly how I want you to write down the problem, right? Don't think outside the box. Don't be smart. <laughs> you do it exactly the way I tell you to do it, right? I just want you to be able to regurgitate what I'm telling you. That's a teacher. A father says, I want to put inside of you the confidence for you to think for yourself because you're powerful. You guys with me? This is how God is with us. He doesn't want to put restrictive uh, uh, rules on us to, to keep us inside these boundaries. He wants to release freedom to us so that we can be in control of ourselves. Do you know that God does not want to be in control of your life? Whoa. Well, we sing about it. God is in control. No, God is in authority. There's a big difference between authority and control. Say it. God doesn't want to control me. He wants me to control myself. That's a big step. Right? A father releases children. They empower them and they release the children to become everything they're supposed to be. And, and like we say around here, that our ceiling will become our kid's floor. That they'll be their launching point. And wherever we go in life, we push the bar up to a point. That's where our kids just jump off of. Right? A father empowers and releases the children. But a teacher con- uh, constrains and const- uh, constricts and controls Um, A father causes you to be responsible for yourself. A teacher is always responsible for their students. Guys, listen to me. A teacher is responsible for their students. A father makes the students responsible for themselves. The children responsible for themselves. Amen? Teachers micromanage. It's got to be just like this. A father says, you can think for yourself. I just want to get to the right result. So I'm going to train you. I'm going to put stuff inside of you. I'm going to equip you with tools necessary that I know that there's no way you can't get to the end result. And then I'm going to let you figure it out. That's got to be such a hard thing. You know, as my kids grow older, I'm going to learn this lesson so many different ways. Some of you that have older kids in the room, you're, you're, you can probably say some stuff here that would be so amazing for us to understand what it means to release our kids and let them be their, their, own, their, own, child, their own man, their own woman, whatever it is. I, I remember as I was growing up, as a teenager, I started getting older. I started thinking I was the man of the house, you know. <laughs> and you look at dad and you think, I could take dad. <laughs> and all dad has to do is just, bam, slams you on the floor. Son, I will always be able to take care of you, right? 
He's like, my dad tells me, I'll be in a wheelchair with no teeth, and I will still be your dad, and I'll still be able to take you, right? And so you get that point where you want to become a man. You want to, you want to step out there. And that's got to be the hardest thing for a dad to do, to let his son make mistakes. When he knows, like, oh, I could control him and they would never mess up. I know my dad could probably look back at my life and I, I see now. And he probably says, man, I could have controlled Jared here. And I could have kept him from a lot of stupid stuff. But I had to let him decide and learn for himself. And he had to say, I trust the things that I put inside of him when he was little. See, God's a father that doesn't want to herd you like cattle. You guys okay? He wants to be a father. He wants to empower you, wants to release you. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. And for some reason, we're so attracted to the teacher thing. We're so attracted to just give me a list of rules. Just tell me what I have to do. Just busy my time so that I, I can't even think about doing things that I used to do because I'm so busy now. some other time <clears throat> what we want to do here what, we, what we're pushing and striving to do is to create an atmosphere that's, that's empowering I want every person I want you when you come here I want you to leave thinking I can do this I want you to leave thinking I am powerful I want you to leave thinking I can overcome anything in my life I want you to leave thinking I can pastor my home I want you to leave thinking that way. And, and it's so easy in church culture. For, we talk about this here in, in, in some of the classes that we, when we teach and stuff. Uh, for the pyramid to be right, you know, the way a pyramid normally is with a, a wide base and a point at the top. And those that, that are the servants serve those that are at the top. Right? And, it's, and that's the way it is at work, Right? We want to make the boss's job easier. We want to do, right? That's the way it is. But the kingdom is totally opposite. In the kingdom, the pyramid is upside down. Those that have been called into leadership, those that have been called with gifts and talents as pastors and whatever it is, they're not being served by people. They serve the people. All right? And, and any time that we get that thing flipped around and, and I feel like you're here because of me or you're here to serve the needs of this church, then I have to repent and say, God, flip the pyramid back over. Because this isn't about Jared. This isn't about Mandy. This isn't about the Bridge Church. This is about every one of you walking in here and walking out in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's about you being empowered. It's about you believing that you can do this. And if I ever make you feel like you can't do this, please come tell me because that's not ever my intention. If I ever make you feel like you need me, then you need to pray and figure out what's wrong there because you don't need me. Please listen to me. You don't need me as your pastor. Okay. 
So balance that with don't forsake the assembling together. That's the Bible. It's like tension between two truths. You don't need, you don't need me, but you need me. And I don't need you, but I need you. It's so confusing. But you can do this. Do I think you can go home and not go to church and make it to heaven? Maybe. Why try? When you got so many people to help you out and hang out with you and strengthen you up. And the Bible says when you're with, with brothers and sisters, iron sharpens iron and you strengthen one another. So that, this isn't about this today. It's about pursuing the Father, okay, and understanding Him that He wants empower and release. And then understanding that that means there comes a responsibility on your part. I, I leave a lot of Sundays and I just want to go home and be alone. Because I feel like, oh, I, I could have said more. I feel, I feel responsible still to a point. I'm not responsible for you. I'm only responsible for getting up here every week and talking with you, whatever we do, and giving you what you need to succeed. That's what I'm responsible for. But it's so easy for me to go home and say, man, I hope they get it. Or if you call me and there's an issue going on and I kind of want to take that and it becomes my issue. It's not my issue. I have to be a dad and say, you know what, I, I think that we've given them the tools necessary to succeed in that thing. Uh, do I want to lift a burden with you? Absolutely. I will always want to lift a burden with you. I will always want to care for you and, and add, add my strength to your strength and whatever we got to do. Absolutely. But more than anything, I want you to be strong. You know why? You know why? Because you deserve it. You're worth it. Every one of you, you're, you're worth the, the dream that's in your heart. You're worth the abundant life that Jesus paid for. And, and it makes, it's a freeing thing for me to say, it's not my responsibility. So that felt good to say. <sighs> trying to teach my wife that too, right? It's not, as an intercessor, you start carrying everyone's burdens and stuff. It's not your responsibility, babe. <laughs> this is a tool shed. Not because there's a bunch of tools here. <laughs> Lord, help me. Well, you come here and you get equipped. You get equipped for the things that you need, the things necessary for you to succeed out there. Right? Why? Because there's a big promise that, they, that, that Jesus gave you in Acts. that says, hey, if you believe on me and, and you confess me as your Lord, I will not only save you, but I'll save your entire household. That's a big promise. How many of you right now, your entire household is saved? That's awesome. So what I say to you is enlarge the tent of your household. Add some more family members you didn't add in before. Just lengthen it. God, you told me they're my household now. They're mine. I claim them. I claim the dogs and cats and everyone related to me in any way possible, right? They're mine. That's a big promise. And you know what? You're the key to the whole family being saved. I'm not. This church is not. You are. It feels good to say. So Hank gave you amazing tool. Thank you. Great tool. Perfect. Bad attitude? Start thanking the Lord for something. 
you don't like your car, start thanking him for that car. Thank you for this dented up car. Thank you, Lord, that the AC works, even though it makes the floorboard wet sometimes. <laughs> the AC is not fixing the youth building. Thank you, Lord, that falls here and we don't need an air conditioner anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great tool. Great. Oh. The family life thing is another tool that's just going to make your family stronger. You know, if, if your family becomes stronger, the church becomes stronger. And whenever all that starts happening, the community becomes stronger. Right? Mandy and I were having a talk this week and um, just discussing the church, and we're so excited about where it's going and what's going on and all the the dreams in our heart and the potential things on the horizon and all that stuff. It's fun stuff. But if our community looks the same in five years, what's it worth? If Division Street looks the same, if I see the same... If I see the same lady who's strung out, no, no meat on her bones, every, I see her all the time. If I keep seeing her, what's it, what's it matter? You know, if that family member that you have doesn't get saved and their life doesn't get turned around and, and hope isn't poured into them, what, is it, what does it really matter, you know? This is about community transformation. It starts in the family. It starts in the family. It starts with the Father. It's the starting point of all of this. He's good. He's a good Father. He wants good things for us. He's confident that you're going to succeed in everything you put your hand to. You guys know that? He's confident that you're going to be an obedient child. And that does, that's not a weak, obedience is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of great strength. How many knows it's hard to obey sometimes? It takes a lot of strength. He has confidence. He said in Jeremiah 29, 11, 12, 13, you know, I know the plans I have for you, you know, you know. And he says, you will seek me and find me when you seek for me with all your heart. And then he ends it and says, I'll be found by you. You will seek me and find me. Basically, I'm out here hidden somewhere. You're going to seek me and find me. And I have full confidence you're going to find me, guys. I trust you. You know the way. You're going to find the way. And that's how the Lord feels about you today. You're going to find the way. Right now, it may feel frustrating. It may feel like you're having to deal with issues and, and that the old man wants to rise up over here and over there. Just kill him. Kill her. Don't talk to him anymore. You know, one of the things that I have to do, this is another tool I, I want to tell you for me. I don't even talk in, in, um, with uh, fondness of, of things that I used to do. I don't even talk fondly of memories of times when I wasn't right with God because I don't want to have a familiar spirit with that thing so I don't even talk fondly about it oh remember when I was so stupid and I did this thing <laughs> you know you're laughing or, don't just don't do that don't even talk about the old man don't talk to him right why don't you say that I can do this so it may be hard right now. Don't quit. Don't give up. Just keep practicing hearing God's voice and then doing whatever he says. 
I mean, that's so basic and so simple. We can all do that, right? Like if I, if I in a minute when I say, hey, everyone stand, you heard me and everyone stand and we'll do prayer. Same thing with God's voice. He speaks, we just do it. There's no fighting. Why do I have to stand now? I'm still tired. Just do it. Because he said so and he's God. You guys okay? And there's a whole lot more that we'll add to this later and uh, some other things that in Galatians 5 that were frustrating Paul because he's like, man, you guys were set free and, and now they're trying to tell you to go get circumcised and all the, what's going on with these guys? They're crazy. He's like, you started in the spirit, now you're going to try to finish in the flesh and so we'll get into that next week, hopefully, if the Lord wills. But I, wanted, I want you to know today, God is absolutely in love with you and he thinks that you can do this and the church believes you can do this. Our leadership believes in you guys. When we pray, we don't pray thinking that you're going to fail. We pray with full confidence that you're going to do this. You guys good? You can do this. Right? So I want you right now to think of something going on right now in your family. Something going on that you, you know needs to shift. It's just not up to the standard of what God would want. And I want you to tell him, God, let's fix that together. Why don't you just tell him right now? Hmm, let's fix that, God. Let's fix that together. Hmm. Oh. You're in a family business now. <laughs> a partnership. Why don't you guys stand and we're going to close out with some prayer, all that kind of stuff. Hmm. Before, Kyle's going to close us out today, but before he does that, I'd like for you just to lift your hands and just love on the Father. Just tell him you love him. You're so good, Father. Hmm. You're faithful. You're a rock. We can count on you. You don't fail us. You don't shift and change your mind. You're consistent. <laughs> and, and you're so powerful. Like, you say words and it happens. You're so awesome, God. And you're immovable. Like, you're a rock. You're a mountain that can't be moved. Yet, as a child, I come to you and I move your heart. <laughs> you're just awesome. We love you. You're just awesome. You are good, Lord. God, you're such a good father. I just want to pray. I want us all to pray that uh, just a simple prayer that we would know the heart of the father, that we would just have a connection with him. The, the way I always see it and the way I, way I think of it in my mind now is, you know, you've got a plug, you plug into the wall. That's easily unplugged, right? It doesn't take much to pull it away. But what if you get two pieces of metal and you 
you get a soldering iron and you fuse those two pieces to metal. You can't separate that because they're joined. And um, that's how I want my relationship with the Father to be. That it's not easily separated. That nothing can come in and break that bond. You know, that we're just forged together. That's the word, forged. So uh, we're all going to pray that together. Just pray with me, God, that, you know, that we would be forged together and unbreakable, unbreakable bond, no space between us, like Jared always says. So let's just do that. Let's join and pray. God, we thank you so much that you present yourself to us, that you, you allow us to even have a relationship with you. You're the most amazing thing that's ever lived. You're, you're the almighty God. And what we want is just that unbreakable bond between you and us, God, that we cannot be easily separated, that sin wouldn't enter into the equation and put a wedge in between us, but that we would be connected with your heart. We would know what's going on with you and that we would be an open book to you, that there would be no space between us and and, uh, just that closeness. Because when we're close to you, we are who you want us to be. Um, we're all you called us to be when we're close to you. And uh, now let's just thank him for, for being close to us, God. And we, we just thank you, like I said before, just for presenting yourself to us, for just allowing us to call for you and to call to you. And you always welcome us in. You never turn a deaf ear to us. Your attention is always on us. And we just thank you for being so good. Just for, <laughs> for just being good, just simply good. That's just what you are. That's all you are. You're incapable of being anything other than just good. And we thank you for the love that you give to us, the love that you, you poured inside of us, the love that you can't contain. It just spills out of you the love that you put into our hearts, the love that you allowed your son to be given up for us, and, and then your power that you could raise him from the dead again. And we thank you that that power that was inside of Christ, that raised Christ from the dead, is inside of us. And we thank you that when we're connected to you, we have your attributes also. So we're just thankful. Well, we started it with thank you. Let's end it with thank you. Just thank you, Lord. Thank you. You're good. (laughs) Yeah. Y'all go and be blessed. Thank you.